Hi, and welcome to the Dinner Sisters podcast. I'm Betsy, here to introduce a special episode of the Dinner Sisters podcast with our guest, Dina Delisa Gonzar. It is back to school week, and we are dropping some bonus material here to help you all get prepared. So Dina is a creator, writer, and television personality behind the popular food blog, Dish It Girl. In that blog, she shares her family traditions and recipes. Most of them are Italian-American, which is super fun for us because it's a sort of unexplored area in the podcast. We don't do too much of this kind of cuisine. And she's known for bringing her recipes to life with her relatable kitchen stories and honest quick wit. You may remember first seeing her appear alongside her family on the E! Network show, married to Jonas. And more recently, she became part of the Hallmark Channel's home and family show by being named their best home cook. I loved hearing Dina's experience growing up in a family of cooks and how she thinks about being a home cook herself now that she's a mom. I can't wait for you to listen to this. There's a lot of really good, actionable, tangible takeaways for cooking and getting food on the family like food on the table for your family, which is super helpful. And another resource for us all to look, discover some new great recipes, which is what we are looking for here on the pod. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And let's dive in. Thank you for joining us for a special episode of the Dinner Sisters. I'm Tara taking over for Kate and Betsy. Today, we have a special guest joining us, Dina Delisa Gansar. Dina is a creator, writer, and television personality behind the popular blog, dishitgirl.com. She's been featured in many print publications and has appeared on Hallmark Channel's Home and Family Show and was named their best home cook. I could go on and on about how many things that you've been in, how many (laughs) magazines and shows. But anyway, I just, I did... Just a few, um, but thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. (laughs) So for some of us who aren't as familiar with your blog, just tell us a little bit about your background in food and maybe how you started started your blog. Sure. Um, I I happen to be one of those girls who grew up in um, a family that was just always cooking from my mom to my grandma to my dad. I feel like that's almost how any good food person's mm-hmm. uh, stories start out. And I guess my brain was just trained to be constantly worried about what we're eating, what's for dinner. And my dad would always bring me on his, I call them like ride alongs because he traveled a lot for work and he was always discovering like the latest hot dog stand or um, this little hole in the wall. And he would take me a lot of times to revisit that. So my brain was like trained inside and out of the kitchen just to be constantly (laughs) thinking about food. And when I got to, I guess I was in my master's program for, I was going to be a school counselor, which I did do. (laughs) Um, And I wanted a place to write down all of my recipes and any great places I'd visit. And that that was because it was before blogging was blogging, I Mm -hmm. guess. And I just Mm kind of was throwing it up on a website, if my friends or family asked me how to make a dish that I brought to their house or something like that, I'd say, hey, go visit the website instead of writing it out a hundred times. So that's how the website started, I guess. And I did it in college, like in my little dorm room with my makeshift, like one burner stove, I was trying to make like Sunday dinner for everyone. (laughs) So I was churning out like chicken parm and pasta and meatballs, like out of my little worn burner. 
where are you in the like birth order in your family? I'm the oldest. Okay. I'm and oldest of four. You're the four. four. You have four. So there, yeah, there's way too many of us. <laughs> way too many of us. So yeah, I'm always used to cooking for like an army. So when I just yeah. had to cook for my husband, I would make like, you know, a dozen chicken cutlets and he would eat like one and a half. And I would be like, what is wrong with you? What is going on? So that, yeah, that was always a struggle for me. But that's how my Instagram built up too, because I was cooking for Brian and people were just like, what did you guys have for dinner tonight? What are you making for Brian for dinner tonight? And I had no idea that that was a big deal. It was just something I was was doing. Um, And then I ended up on Married to Jonas with my sister and my family. And that that brought kind of like a big bump to the whole social media. That started the whole social media world for me. And, um, I just found it really awesome that people were emailing me saying like, my mom's birthday is this weekend. Do you have a recipe? Do you have something easy I can make her? Or, um, I just bought my first apartment. I want to have my friends over. Um, is there something I can make them? And so things like that really, I don't know, really motivated me to people want to gather. People want that family friend connection. And they're finding that through, either food I'm cooking or food that I'm posting. And if I can help people that way to gain community, uh, that was, that was really a motivating factor for Digigirl. And it just started taking a life of its own. I never really knew intentionally what I was doing and I still don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just (laughs) cooking for people and showing people. That's like really doing something well, because you have a very large following on Instagram and um, also, you've appeared on a couple local news stations. A lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're, yeah, you're doing something right. But um, I, I, it's interesting what you said at the beginning about people asking you for recipes, and they're, you know, like just go to the blog, you know, um, yeah. Because I so often get, you know, if we've had someone over, or whatever, it's like, how did you make this? And I'm like, well, let me send you the website. But I didn't exactly follow the website, so I could see yeah. how that very efficient to be like, okay, it's all written down right here. You can just go yeah. to it. I, yeah, I didn't want to forget what I did also, because now you look back at maybe your grandma or aunt's writings and they can be really hard to decipher. So once I yeah. sat with her and kind of got through like, well, what does a handful of this mean? And what does like a pinch of that mean? I just wanted to make sure we had some of those things forever. So I felt like archiving them or putting them um, on the the blog space was my best way of um, keeping that memory. So that was another motivating factor behind that. So where did you grow up? Um, In New Jersey. I'm a Jersey girl through and through North Jersey. (laughs) So so do you still live there? I still live here. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we talk about like moving, but it never really Mm -hmm. happens. I feel like once you're here, you kind of get your roots in and you kind of get get stuck. (laughs) Do you live near your family? very close to my family. We all live like on top of each other. So we're like not allowed to move uh, more than like 20, 15, 20 minutes from each other. So let's see, my mom and my sister live like 10 minutes from each other. And then I live like the 15 minutes. Oh, so you're so yeah, you're the furthest one out. So growing up, who was doing most of the cooking? You've, You've mentioned your dad had an interest in food. It sounds like grandma was around. So who did most of the cooking at home? Um, I have to give that credit to my mom. I mean, she was 
very insistent on like we ate dinner at like five five thirty every single night. She you know she had dinner on the table, which you know when I was growing up, I just was like, oh, that's the way it is for everyone. And then as I got older, I realized how challenging that is, and what a big what a big deal that was. And it's not, and that's why I have such a passion for like family dinner and Sunday dinner, because it's not just about like the food that's on the table. It's just, you know, it really comes from a discipline from someone's heart and willingness to create tradition and a family space. And she did Sunday dinner, um, almost every Sunday. So I have so many positive memories of just about the smells and just her moving about the kitchen and and what that looks like. And I instantly channel that when I'm cooking in my own kitchen. It's the small things that really stay with your kids or those people that you're consistently around. And that pulls us back because we all, we all could be in different spots, but we all come together on Sundays still. Like she still has a full house every Sunday. And I know that's wow. unique. And so I, yeah. I just really appreciate that so much because like I said, as I got older, I realized how much work and intention that really did take. Right, right. Well, and I do think it's unusual to live so close to family, all of you. So that's another unusual part of that whole equation. But um, it, that actually leads me to my next question, which was like, what are the memories you have around food? And it sounds like Sunday dinners were, uh, were one of those big memories. Yes, it was. I mean, we all went to church together. And um, prior to church, my mom would have started the meatballs and the gravy or the sauce. Like everybody likes to argue over gravy versus sauce. So, you know, whatever you, whatever floats your boat there. We called it gravy. If you had meat in it, we can argue later. <laughs> so, so you grew up with, it sounds like uh, Italian food at home. A lot of Italian food, a lot of Italian, I would say Italian American, because I know things like chicken parm and eggplant parm, like that's very Americanized, I I think. Um, So I would say Italian American food. um, And then as I started cooking more for myself and for my husband, and I knew I'm like, well, he's not 100% Italian which is like a whole other story in itself. (laughs) But so I'm like, he doesn't want pasta every single night. So I started trying different things. And also from traveling, we, my husband and I like to travel a lot. And so that started influencing my cooking at home. So that's sort of changed things up a little bit. So who inspires you in the food world? Is there anybody that stands out, any cookbooks or chefs or anybody that really inspires you? Oh, there's so, there's so many awesome people out there. I mean, everything from like some of your more famous chefs to just some of um, my friends in like the food blogging world, I guess you could say they, they just make so many amazing dishes. Like every time you open up your Instagram, your mind like expands with like all the different dishes people are making. But I would say um, Lydia, I, I love Lydia. Yes. My dad used to watch her a lot and it would make my mom so mad because she would be making dinner and he would be like, oh, wow, look what Lydia's doing. We could try that. And she's like, yeah, all right, you're going to eat what I put on your your plate. But I feel like um, Lydia is, was always the closest to the type of cooking that was going on in my home, but a step up where I would learn from her because she obviously has more of a wealth of, of knowledge. And um, so I always really enjoy, I still, I still watch her 
you know, I still catch her. But yeah, I mean, she she's really brought the Italian yes. world into American kitchens. Yes, 100%. And she's such an inspiration. Like, she has restaurants, she has cookbooks, she has product lines. I mean, what an amazing, what amazing lady. And her, her recipes are very straightforward. They are. Like they are they're, yeah. they're not complicated. No, they are not hard to follow. And I would say another person that I try a lot of recipes from is Tyler Florence. Um, which I know oh, seems like okay. outside of the box for me, but I have oh. every time I have tried one of his recipes, they have come out wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And when you, I think that's also how I taught myself to cook a little bit was through cooking through cookbooks. I mean, I have tons of cookbooks and whenever I feel stuck, I just pick mm-hmm. out a recipe and go for it. And then I think that's how new recipes are born. You know, you learn a new recipe, a new flavor combination, and then that inspires you to mix and match your own way once you have that technique from that recipe down. So, you know, whenever I'm feeling stuck, that's what I'll do is I'll cook from a cookbook. You know, it's it's interesting. The last interview I did was with Kelly Sinye. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. And we were talking about reading cookbooks as mm-hmm. children. Yes. And how um, both of us had time in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And there's church cookbooks were like a big thing and like reading through them and yes. figuring out techniques of like home cooks. But I think, yeah, reading through cookbooks can either like be, a, I mean, it can be both, but like an inspiration and also a way of like teaching technique. Yes. I mean, yeah. I remember I was so sad when Gourmet Magazine went out of print, which I know is not a cookbook, but I mean, I was always reading all of those magazines. Like my friends were picking up Cosmo and I was picking up food and wine or gourmet. Like, I was just different. I just like, I couldn't no, get it, it off yeah. my brain. It didn't make sense, but I couldn't get it off my brain. And I kept um, a lot of my gourmet magazines because they're like art pieces mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. me. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's another thing. Well, and I think, <laughs> I think social media within our time has really brought out certain home cooks or those who might not have gone to culinary school yeah. really brought out or given these people a chance to have a platform yes. in the food world. Yes. And also for people like us who love food. And like you said, you like kept all these gourmet magazines. Like there's, there's a place for us to all be together. Yes. <laughs> and talk about it. Yeah. And not feel so like <laughs> odd when your friends are talking about like, you know, the latest celebrity happening and you're like, did you see the new gastronomy? Did you see the new foam that came out from this guy? You know, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, take us into your kitchen. And what is something that you always have in the fridge or something you always have in the pantry? It could be a couple items or maybe just one particular item. Like what stands out to you? Like I have to have this in my pantry. Um, I always have to have a good olive oil and it's not even, and like it's twofold. I have the olive oil that I use for cooking and then I have the olive oil I use for finishing, which sounds really fancy and, and whatnot. But if for like your everyday home cook, I feel like that's a very simple back pocket, like wow factor that you could have. That's not too hard is just to know, like, this is the olive oil that I'm going to saute with that I'm going to, you know, fry up a little bit with. And then this is the olive oil that's going to go on the dish when the pasta is done or when I'm making, uh, you know, a beautiful salad. And it just adds uh, uh, just an elevation Mm-hmm. That kind of puts you above like your everyday dish that makes people say like, what's different 
about this. Another thing, which I know it, some people get really put off by it, but I swear by it is anchovy or anchovy paste. I know that's hard for the everyday cook. I know it. I've done, I've done like reels on it. I've done things. I'm like, don't be afraid of anchovy. <laughs> Yes. I mean, that can take your pasta sauce or your stews and it, it, man, it just, it doesn't taste fishy. It's, I'm telling you, it's not like a fishy, unless you use it in the sense to like make something taste that way, but it it is not fishy. When you use a small amount of it, it just adds this extra brininess or saltiness that you're not quite sure what it is, but it's good. I mean, pizzas. Yeah. Oh, I love fish sauce too. Yeah. So those, those would be like my two big ones. And then of course, you know, I have like all different pastas. (laughs) I love having all different pastas and different grains to cook with as sides. I like to mix them with vegetables. So do you, um, do you make your own pasta or is it just sometimes I do, but I'll, I'll be super honest. Like, yes, there's something about homemade pasta. It's amazing. But I think we are very fortunate that pastas come box pasta has come Mm -hmm. a long way. And there are some really wonderful, brands you come really close to do you, the kitchen do you have any recommendations for your olive oil um yes i do. Like, do, you, do do you have favorite brands yes i i some of the supermarket brands like cola vita i think that is that's a great that's a great brand um i love using them and so i try to get that a lot and then um bertoli i use bertoli a lot oh. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. is that both for the finishing and the cooking? So them, I tend to use them more for the, um, for the cooking. Um, I still, I do okay. think Cola Vita is a good finishing as well. Um, but you can even see in your supermarket on the shelf, you can kind of tell what is like your everyday olive oil. Like they come in yeah. larger containers and then there's, um, ones that you can tell maybe are more of like a special or a finishing. They're kind of in a smaller, either maybe like a glass bottle um, and those are kind of your more, I guess you could say like your fancier yeah. ones. Um, and though that kind of changes for me all the time, <laughs> just kind of okay. depends upon like what mood I'm in. <laughs> well, I know olive oil can be like butter or eggs, yes. you know, like you have so many to choose from. And sometimes as like a shopper, you know, when I go into my local Publix, um, you know, there's so many options. So then it's like overwhelming, like, which one do I choose? And so um, I think it's just always good for listeners to hear what chefs um, are using to help them. I don't know, like, like you said, to, to take it up just a little bit. I think about that, like with even finishing salt. Love that as well. Finishing salt is, is amazing as well. And that's like a thicker flake. It's not your regular table salt. I mean, there's different flavored salts. You can make your own at home. If you're growing herbs this summer, all you need to do is yeah. chop up those herbs within the salt and you can make yourself a good like basil salt or oregano salt. I did that the other day. Same thing with your regular olive oils. If you want to infuse them with rosemary, you could, I've infused them with lemon peel before. And that also adds a little bit of a bump up to your vinaigrettes. And so making your own is definitely another good choice. That's a great, that's a great tip. So we're still in the kitchen and I want to talk about incorporating children in the kitchen. Oh yeah. I know you've done a few videos with you and your daughter (laughs) cooking together. It's adorable. Thank you. Um, 
but as someone, even myself, who has, uh, as I mentioned before, I have three kids and I have one son that likes to participate a lot, but mm-hmm. I think as a, it's, it's not often my favorite thing Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to have them in the kitchen. Um, and I don't have them in the kitchen all the time, but mm-hmm. um, I think it's helpful for some people to just hear like, how do you incorporate your kids into the kitchen? And then even as part of like the dinner process. So like, yes. what would you, uh, do you have any tips or anything you would recommend to some of our listeners? Sure. I mean, you, you can start even just by like the grocery trip. You know, I mean, I, I was bringing Sienna everywhere. So she'd be in the grocery store with me and I would be surprised. Like sometimes she would be pointing to things, wanting to pick out things. And it wasn't just fruit snacks. She was just looking at the produce aisle and she was like, what's that? And I would tell her what it is. And I would say immediately, do you want to try it? And she would say, yeah, sure. And look, did it work out great every single time? No, sometimes I would make it. And then um, she would refuse to even try it. But then there were some times where it motivated her to pick up the food. And like now she loves broccoli, which is like not something you could say about every kid. But it's something she picked up off the shelf and she and she would be in the kitchen. Either she it depends upon the participation level. Like sometimes she will help me for like 60 seconds. And then the other time she'll just be like around the island, like just doing whatever else it is she wants to do. But she's there and she sees and she sees the habit that I have of going into the kitchen and cooking every day. So she kind of knows that's something that mom does or something that Mm -hmm. we do. That's how I get my food (laughs) kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt like the more she was exposed to, the more she would be motivated to pick up. So even when she has would have breakfast or lunch. Like I would try my best to eat with her because a lot of the time she would grab off my plate when she was really little. And I, that's one, you know, I wasn't ready to serve her salad. Like in my mind, I was like, I think she could choke on the leaf. I'm not really sure about this. I'm not going to be giving this to her yet, but she grabbed it off my plate. I mean, you were basically doing what baby led weaning. Yeah, but I didn't know. I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know I was doing that. I was just like allowing for a little bit of a mess, I guess, and thought, okay. And I just knew kids could be really super picky. So anyway, I could try to like circumvent that by when we hit the picky stage, which I, by the way, I think is like three and four years old. I feel like up, you have them up until two where they're pretty adventurous. And then I've seen like every three or four year old in my family circle just change into like this picky monster <laughs> around. Well, and I think it, I think it happens again when you're like 10 or 11. Cause that's what okay. I have right now. Yeah. And he's changed his opinion on so many things. I know it's like a daily thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and I'm just hopeful that like, you know what, if I just keep on cooking these things and 100 really have another option. Like, this is what we're eating. Yeah, because you could become a short order cook. And I did that a little bit. And then I started saying, you know what? These are the three. I always have one thing that's like a sure thing on her plate. And then the other things are more like, sometimes she goes for it. This is something new, a choice, but one sure thing. And then the rest is um, more of a choice. That's a great tip to have. At least, you know, you have that one thing that they'll eat. And then the other things... I can't remember if it's like you expose them to something like seven times. Or yeah, something. it's like it's definitely like a lot. I mean, I've heard seven times, 15 times. But I think the moral yeah. of the story there is like, don't make anything extinct from their plate. That's what I try to do with Sienna. Like just because she didn't like it one day 
doesn't mean, didn't mean that she wouldn't try it two weeks from then. Like same thing with things she liked. She would like it. And then the next week she wouldn't touch it. But I just never, again, I never made anything extinct from her plate. And in terms of getting them directly involved in the kitchen, I mean, it's different at every age level. And I think you have to have in your head, like, all right, this could be a mess. It like the mess is going to kind of happen. So to already not be like super upset. And I'm not saying that you should have them in there like every night when you're trying to make dinner after soccer practice before you got to go to the next practice. No, like I think, you know, the time when like you're having a little bit more of a leisure moment in the kitchen or certain things like, I guess how I started was like banana bread. Banana bread is a simple recipe that most people kind of know mostly by heart. By, I think especially through pandemic, like by now, yeah. <laughs> you know, by heart. And that's a lot of um, measuring and pouring, which is mm-hmm. great for for younger kids and, and toddlers to start experimenting with. It's just the whole sensory activity is, is huge for them, like hand-eye coordination with pouring and measuring. Um, that's You're doing something huge. For them, and now I see her in her little kitchen, um, in her room, and she's talking her way through. Like, I need a cup of this, and I need a teaspoon of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she also mimics like some of my Zoom TV segments that she sees, <laughs> where she tells me to be quiet and go in the other room while she's cooking. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh no! So yeah, just small things like that. Setting the table is huge. She loves that responsibility, even if it's just their place setting. You know, maybe they're not ready for like the whole table, but or keeping the utensils, the safe utensils um, in a drawer where she can pull them out. I always had her utensils and her stuff in the second drawer. So Mm -hmm. she walk up to it, pull out the second drawer by the time she was like two and a half and she knew where her fork was. And it's Mm -hmm. just it's a simple thing. It's a simple way to get them involved. Well, and you're creating food memories for her. So she'll remember just like you did, like cooking alongside people in her family. Yeah, she Um, definitely will. You're you're giving her this really positive experience with foods. Yeah, (laughs) I hope so. I mean, I remember my mom cooking and I remember waking up from a nap. I mean, it was just crazy because that's you're really little when you're still napping. And I just remember smelling like what she was making for dinner when I would wake up for a nap. And it's like, again, it's such a small thing, but it, it means so much as they grow up. I can, I can like attest to that. So that's what I'm right. trying to do for her. So um, let's now talk about your blog. I'm curious to know, I, I, I'm always curious to ask cookbook authors or people with blogs, like what is one recipe that everybody needs to get on that you think is a sleeper hit that maybe people might look over or not think much about, but it's really a fantastic recipe. Hmm. Gosh, that was, I saw that as like one of the, the harder questions because there's so many different ways you can go yeah. with it. Oh, is it like a breakfast dish or is it like a, a snack or a family meal? I would say my favorite recipes are baked pastas or lasagnas because they feed a crowd. They're things you can do. They're dishes you can make prior so you can enjoy them with your family or with your company. Um, and there's always leftovers that last for a couple of days, which is helpful. Well, that's, yeah, I was going to say that's great. That's a great tip to make. Uh, even the other day I made meatloaf with my son and I just yeah. made double. Yeah. And, and I was so happy because the next day it was so hot. I didn't even want to turn on my oven. So yes. I had that, you know, so having the leftovers 
that's yeah that's great and i could see like a big dish of pasta you know you could serve that for a couple days yeah it's always a lifesaver so those are those are my favorite recipes because they um encourage gathering and um they you know everybody has their own way of making lasagnas i have a couple of one of recipes that are kind of more fun outside the box i have like butternut squash and goat cheese lasagna, which is really good. It's not your typical like red sauce and meat or what have you. And, um, that, that one's a lot of fun. Then I would say this, there's a recipe that I think on my website is no big deal, but it seems to be pinned over and over again. And people really seem to like it. And it was, uh, it was a baked flounder recipe. It's just simply, um, like Italian breadcrumbs, a little bit of lemon juice, and I don't know, people seem to like go crazy over it. And I'm like, this was like, no, this is like random, like really quick, like no big deal. Well, I think people maybe are looking for sometimes looking for like healthier recipes. Yes. They're unsure sometimes of how to cook fish. Yes. So yeah, so that I, I know for me, even after being in quarantine and et cetera, it's like, I mean, I've eaten so many carbs. Yeah. We we need to eat more fish, more baked fish. So yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> well then try uh, the sam. I have these veggie packed salmon cakes on my website, and that was made for Sienna initially, like when I wanted her to start trying fish and things like that. But my husband ended up loving them as well, so it's now like something that happens like once a week <laughs> in our house are okay. these veggie packed salmon cakes. So it's something that I thought was kind of a kid food turned into. Um, a weekly, a weekly staple. What a great discovery! So we have pasta, the <laughs> the big dish pasta recipe. Yes. We got a fish recipe, and then we also have these salmon patties. I guess is what you. Yeah, say. yeah, veggie packs, sam salmon cakes, and I always change up the in my house. Like the recipe is the recipe, but I'm always changing up the different um, veggies that I have. It's really like you could really sub in and out. However you would like. Sometimes I add Kalamata olives to the mix to give it something a little bit different, but it's a really great customizable recipe. So that one's a lot of fun. So I know a lot of your blog and it seems like even through this interview, I'm hearing a lot about gathering together, Mm -hmm. lots of people together, but imagine for a moment that no one is at home. (laughs) You are by yourself. Um, I always like to ask this question. So do you cook something for yourself or do you order out? And if you cook, well, I guess if you order out, like, what do you eat? What do you eat? You're all by yourself. So that early on in my marriage, like Brian, Brian has the type of job where he would travel for two, three weeks at a time. So I would be alone by myself with nobody to cook for. (laughs) <laughs> so that is the time when I would make like some huge bowl of like spaghetti with butter and cheese and like, and then I would even put like more olive oil on it. Like it was just like this messy, yeah. like greasy <laughs> pasta. And I would just like sit in front of the TV and like go at it. If I had cherry tomatoes, that would be the best because it breaks my heart that Brian doesn't like tomatoes. He likes tomato sauce, but won't eat a tomato. Yeah. And it's this kind of the same thing my mom would make for us when um, my dad would travel. She would just take garlic and oil and a little bit of basil and the cherry tomatoes, cook them together and pour them over pasta. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's kind of like, 
Yeah. And very satisfying. And if I order out, it's sushi. Because that's one thing oh, I don't make okay. for myself very often. But um, yeah, and I love when I don't have to share it. So. <laughs> ah. <laughs> no, I, no, I get that. <laughs> No. Well, and that's the reason why I asked you that question is because I'm just interested to hear what do people eat when they're alone? Uh, what do you choose to eat? Either so, green yeah. pasta or some sushi. <laughs> okay. Well, that is all the time that we have for today. So, um, Dina, could you tell us where people can find you out there? In sure. The world? Sure. Um, my blog is dishitgirl.com. And then my Instagram is at dishitgirl. Dina. And that's where you can stay up to date with all of the latest recipes. Um, If you sign up for my newsletter through my website, um, you'll get the newest recipes and happenings once a month. So that's another good way to stay in touch and see if I'm popping up on TV anywhere in your area um, doing a segment. So yeah, newsletter and website and Instagram are probably the best ways. Okay. And then also I noticed on your blog, you Mm -hmm. also have a section where you can go to some of your videos on YouTube Yes, and you can see some of, uh, uh, I guess your parents on those local news stations and then Mm -hmm. also you cooking with your daughter. Yes. There's a couple of those on there. Yes. There's a digital girl YouTube as well. You can find all that on the website and even, um, and again, even on Instagram, like I link a lot of that stuff very often. So yeah, those would be the best ways to get in touch with me. Okay. Well, thank you again for your time. Thank you for joining us for another episode, special episode of the Dinner Sisters. We'll save a spot at the table for you.